Like Malaika, I'll say good morning, fam. How's everybody doing today? Isn't it so wonderful to feel that spring is in the air? And um, we look forward to our spring celebration in a couple of weeks. That's going to be a, a great time, so pre please be prepared for that and to join us for that special day. Today is a, a, a little bit of a different service in terms of how, in the ministry of the Word, what we're going to do. The title of today's message is Dying to Live. And uh, we have a special occasion today where we are having both communion during our service today and baptism. So I thought it would be a great time to actually talk a little bit about what we would call the sacraments of baptism and of communion. In my heart, it's an important thing that we understand and undergird and build into the life of our communion these very important symbolic events that speak to us about our faith, remind us about certain things in our faith, but not only that, but sustain and nourish us in our faith. We come from a tradition where, as somebody commented this morning, we don't even hardly use the word sacraments in our church. And, um, but today I want to talk about these two very important rituals in a sense. They're not ritualistic, but events that we practice as a community and what they mean. And that's why the title of the message is Dying to Live. Now we in a in the, in the broader category of what you would call the Protestant churches. And therefore, we have two sacraments that we practice in our expression of Christianity. In certain traditions of Christian faith, you would have up to seven sacraments. But we only have two sacraments. And these are the sacraments of communion and the sacraments of baptism. A sacrament is an action in and through which we, we see God's grace conveyed to his people. It is a, when you take a seemingly everyday normal kind of thing, but you add to it a deeper meaning and it, which is an expression of God's grace. So both communion takes normal elements, bread and wine or bread and grape juice as we do it, but it places it within a category where it takes on a sacred meaning. And so baptism, which is also a regular thing, a washing that we do. Washing with water is not unusual. But in this context of baptism, it takes on a sacred and powerful meaning for us. So again, a sacrament is an action in and through which God's grace is conveyed to people. The means of grace are ordinary means, Louis Burkhoff said by which the Holy Spirit works and confirms faith in the hearts of men. So what is important with the sacraments is they speak to us not about what something God is doing so much as something that He has done for us. It refers us to something that has happened, that was completed, and reminds us of that, but also nourishes us in the continuing expression and experience of the power of that which had taken place. And it's always important for us to remember that as Christians. What makes us Christians is our faith and our belief in something that has happened, that continues today to shape our lives and the world around us. The sacraments are not the means to salvation. 
They speak about salvation that has been given to us. And that's very important to remember. When we partake of the communion, the communion in itself has no power. The partaking of that particular wafer or piece of bread or drinking that juice or that wine has no power in itself. It is not some powerful ritual that we do that does anything for us because of that element. When we go through the waters of baptism, it has got no power in and of itself in, the, in terms of that it has, you know, now I'm going to baptism and it's a washing and that is a specific washing that has power that, you know, affects my life. Its power lies in what it symbolizes, what it points to, what it refreshes and reminds us. And that is the completed work of Jesus on the cross. That's the power in communion. When we have communion together, we say, it is done. And we remember that, the completed work on the cross. When I'm baptized, it is my public declaration that I have put my faith in that which was done. Now, when I have communion and when I have and, and do baptism, both are expressions of faith. You, you don't just do them without applying your heart and your mind to it. You have to express them or do them as expressions of faith. And when you do them, there is power in them, but it's not in the wafer itself or the bread itself. So like here I have the bread that I'm going to be sharing communion and I'm going to particularly be doing communion with our online community this morning. This is a normal bun. I don't know where we bought it, but one of the local grocers, not a special shop where it was specially prayed over, special flour, you know, un, 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 sort of, you know, unleavened yeast kind of thing. This is a normal bun. Do you all agree with me? Believe me, it's no special oil. If I take a piece of this bread this morning and you come to me and you say, I'm so hungry, can you give me something to eat? I'll give you a piece of this and you can eat it. It'll have no special power and purpose until we say, this is the communion bread. It still doesn't change the bread. There are traditions that believe this bread at that point becomes the actual body of Christ. We don't believe that, amen? Are you sure? Some of you are going, hello? If this was the actual body of Christ, therefore certain traditions say only the set-apart priest can handle this because it's holy. We don't believe that. How many of you have shared communion in your family? Hey? Are you the dedicated, anointed priest that is allowed to handle the bread? No, because the bread is the bread. But when we today come and say this specific bun today to us signifies something that has happened, which refers to our salvation, the body of Christ that was given. This particular bun in that moment takes on some significance and it therefore has power in our lives. Because of our faith 
that we add to it. And that's what a sacrament does. It takes a very ordinary thing. But through faith, grace is given through that very ordinary element. And so we're going to do that a bit later just now. But this is what sacraments do for us. It is not the means of salvation in and of itself. It points to the means of salvation. It serves to consistently remind us of that powerful event that took place. And therefore, it nourishes and sustains our faith. And particularly when it comes to the communion, it's something we should have regularly and very often because it does sustain our faith. Why? Because of the faith. Not because of the bread, but because of the faith that we add to it. Why is that important? Because we remember that a very, in one sense, if you looked at him, ordinary man became to us our means to salvation because he is the son of God. This ordinary man with an ordinary body like you and me, needing food, needing everything that you and I need in our humanity, was also fully God. It's a mystery. One of a kind. There's never been and never will be anybody else like Jesus. He looked so ordinary, but yet he was God incarnate. And so when I take some ordinary element, I recognize how God does something that may seem so ordinary, but it becomes the means unto, um, by which we are saved. Our salvation happens because of what Jesus did. Sacraments, therefore, are signs and seals of what Jesus had done. And so, I don't have to have communion in order to stay saved. Okay? I have communion because I am saved. Amen? Are you sure? <laughs> Are you in agreement with me today? Because I am saved, I have communion. I have partaken in the blood and the body of Christ. Jesus said, if you want part with me, you have to eat my body and drink my blood. Now, he wasn't referring to this necessarily. What he was saying is, you have to allow me to become everything in you. You have to consume me. You have to become part of me. This is not some external thing that happens. This is not a ritual that you partake of and that you do every now and then. And if you pray enough and if you, you know, do enough good and if you do enough, then you will eventually become a good person. Jesus was saying, no, you need to consume me and that will change you. And if you consume me, if you eat of my body and if you drink my blood, you and I will become one and you will be saved. It's not an add-on. It becomes the central truth of your life and therefore I have communion because I have experienced that I put my faith in the work of Jesus that was finished this morning as we were worshiping I was just reminded of that scripture in John 20 verse 7 where John talks a little bit and takes a bit of time to talk to us about the grave clothes of Jesus Remember that scripture where he says, and the grave clothes of Jesus, the linen that he was wrapped in, the strips of linen that he was wrapped in, was lying there, and the face garment that was covering his head was neatly folded. 
Why does he talk about the grave clothes? That scripture refers to scripture in Leviticus 16, verse 23, where in Leviticus 16 it said to us that when Aaron gets dressed for the entering into the Holy of Holies, he has to put a special linen garment on. And once he goes into the Holy of Holies and he's completed the sacrifice, when he comes out of the Holy of Holies, he has to take off that garment of linen, put it away, put on normal clothes and step into regular life again. And so the moment Jesus was risen from the dead, he took off his high priestly garment and he put it down in the grave. Why did he do that? Because his job as high priest was finished. It was done. The sacrifice was made. Remember Jesus said on the cross, it is finished. Jesus today is the high priest of our faith, not because every day he makes the sacrifice, but because he stands in the sacrifice that he had done for us. It's completed. The high priestly garment is in the grave. It is not in the resurrection. He saved us. It is done. But I live in that sacrifice. And that's why we do communion. Why do we only have two sacraments? To qualify as a sacrament, we believe it's something that had to be instituted by Christ himself. It's a regular event that Jesus himself said, this is something that you must continue to do. There's lots of things Jesus could have said we should do, but he didn't. But he did say this about two things. And you'll recognize this with me. In Luke 22, for instance, and in other places, verse 19, Jesus said that we are supposed to keep the Lord's Supper and keep on doing it. We read, and he took the bread, gave thanks, and broke, to it, broke it and gave it to them, saying, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. And here and in other places, Jesus was saying, keep doing this. And that's what qualifies it as a sacrament. Jesus said, you must do this. Not only did Jesus say that of the uh, Lord's Supper or communion, but he also said that of baptism. In Matthew 28, verse 19. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Baptizing them. Continue to do this. So these are two things that Jesus said his people, his church should keep on doing. And that's why we keep on doing them. And that's why they qualify for us as sacraments. We don't see that said about other things. And that's why in our tradition, we only hold to those two things. The Lord's Supper is a very powerful time that we have together. And it, and it speaks and it nourishes a community of faith as well as individuals of faith. I want to tell you that communion was made to have together. It's a community event. Every time you gather, do this. Every time you have a meal together, do this. It wasn't supposed to be a rare, special, you know, only event. Now, it doesn't mean, you know, that we're supposed to have communion at every service necessarily. But it is something that we do regularly. That we come together around. That we 
stand before as a community. And I, what I love about communion is that it's, the, it's a place where, in one sense, we are all equal again. There's not one of us that is closer or more important or more centralized to the event of communion. It's all of us together. We all come to the cross. This morning, I come to the cross as you come to the cross. And I say thank you, Jesus, for what you've done for me. And thank you, Lord Jesus, that I live in the truth of that and that you are still changing me, transforming me. And so I want to remind you before we have communion, I spoke this a while ago, that during the Lord's Supper, we remember. We remember what Jesus had done for us. I remember what Jesus did for you. He died on the cross for me. But I remember that he didn't just die for me. He died for everyone. And I remember that he died for my brothers and sisters. To have communion is, in a sense, commanded by the Scripture. It shouldn't be something that you shy away from or don't have regularly. Have communion. Have communion as a community. Have communion as a family. Have communion. Remember not only do we remember, but we rejoice. It is true that there's a certain sensitivity and solemnness for us around communion. Because what are we remembering? We're remembering our Savior dying a horrible death on a cross. But yet at the same time, it is a time of rejoicing. Because it is that event that changed our lives, that saved us. So it's a joyful occasion. While it is a solemn occasion, and that's the, the beauty of our faith. Our faith can hold those things together. It is also a time where we not just remember or we rejoice, but we repent. Because that sacrifice of Jesus was a very expensive sacrifice that was required because of my sin. Because of my failure, because I am rebellious against God and I, I chose to not have relationship with God. God said, but I want relationship with you and I'm going to make it possible that if you choose you can still have relationship with me and therefore it's a time of repentance it's a time where I come and remember that that sacrifice was necessary because of my sin and I do not want to live in that rebellion anymore I want to live in obedience to Christ because I love him so I want to remind you that you cannot take the Lord's table or partake in the supper in an unworthy manner. Now, unworthy is not a statement about you. It's a statement about how you treat the table. We are all unworthy, aren't we? None of us deserve to partake in the elements. We're all unworthy. It's not about that. Actually, when I know I'm unworthy, I begin to make the elements worthy. Because then I understand what it means. Unworthy, to, to use it in an unworthy manner, is not to practice faith. It's to come to it flippantly. It's to come to it, you know, sort of, ah, whatever. To not recognize its value and meaning. That's to how you treat it unworthy. Is when, when you do it without regard for its true worth and purpose. So therefore we recognize that when we come to communion, it requires of us a little bit of a moment of introspection where we go, Lord... I want to honor the elements today. And so therefore, Lord, I, I'm going to stop and say, Lord, first of all, show me as a believer if there are any unrepentant sin in my life or if there are any divisiveness in my relationships with fellow believers. 
because you died so that I can be set free from sin. So if I'm still practicing sin willfully and not repenting from it, then why am I having communion? The scripture actually says that will bring judgment on me. So sometimes it's appropriate to just say, Lord, just show me if there's something. Sometimes what happens is in that moment, the Lord will say, well, you know this, you haven't really spoken. And then right there, I can say, Lord, forgive me for that. Give me the grace and the strength, Lord, to change in that area. Then I can have communion. Or sometimes it may be that I have to say, I need to first go and deal with something. Or it may be that I have entered into a situation where in my relationships, there's not, you know, I'm disagreeing with somebody or have a slight being upset, but, but there's really entered in a, a, a disunity and a breaking of unity with fellow believers and a stubbornness, a, a anger, a bitterness, then the scripture says you can't have communion. So for believers, it's a time to repent, to say, Lord, I want to recognize the meaning and the value of this. It is also true that we believe that if you're not a believer, if you've not come to faith in the body and the outpouring of the blood of Christ, then you shouldn't have communion. Communion is not for people who are not believers. It's for believers. If you're an unbeliever, why would you want to have communion? Because there's no power in the communion, remember. This having communion with us today, if you don't believe in Jesus, is not going to change anything. What is going to change if you begin to put your faith in Jesus and say, I believe in the sacrifice of Christ. That's what's required. So we repent. We also reaffirm. We come together in communion and the scripture tells us that we will do this until the day the Lord comes again. And when the kingdom of heaven is in, in its fullness established, Jesus said. So we reaffirm that Jesus is coming back. That his kingdom will reign for eternity. That our eternal reality is that we will live in the fullness of the lordship of God and of, of his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what we do when we have communion. When I'm sharing communion with you, I'm saying, we're going to be doing this for, or live in the fullness of this, not doing community, uh, communion, but doing, living in the fullness of this for eternity. So it has a future element also to it. And then the last thing that we do when we have communion is we recommit. We recommit to the family of the faith. And I, I say, when I'm having communion, and that's why we, you can have communion on your own. That's, it's not wrong to have communion on your own. It's not wrong to have communion with one person. You can have communion. But we do want to regularly have communion with the broader community. Because in that moment, I'm saying, I'm part of you and you are part of me. The same Jesus that died for me died for you. And I am a fellow disciple with you. I need you. I cannot be a follower of Christ without you. I cannot learn what it means to be a follower of Christ or express what it means to be a follower of Christ without you. We having it together. So this morning we want to share communion and I'm going to get us ready to have communion to, today. And I want to invite you to come and celebrate together what Jesus had done what you have received. So can I ask you to stand with me? I have this little sentence that I would like you, 
with me to all of us to declare aloud. And I welcome those of you that are online or on the radio with us, please. I'm going to read you the sentence just so that people on the radio, because they can't see it, obviously. But we're going to say this sentence together as a confirmation, as an affirmation, as a declaration of why we we do this. The sentence simply goes like this. Christ gave his body and blood for me. He died for me. Are you prepared to declare that today? And that when you have communion, that is what we are celebrating. That is what we are standing in. And that is what we're saying. Lord, nourish me with that truth. Stir my faith again in that truth. So are you ready to say that with me? I think they're going to put it. Yeah, there it is on the screen. So let's say together. Christ gave his body and blood for me. He died for me. Lord, I thank you today. For the power of this sacrament, this institution that you put into our lives. Thank you, Jesus, that this is symbolic, but it is powerfully symbolic, Lord. And so we come today and we say thank you for what you have done. Thank you that you completed the work, that the sacrifice was paid. And that when we have of these elements now, the, 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 the cup and the bread, it's that sacrifice that we remember. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you for your grace. And we receive it by faith today in Jesus' name. So right at this point, you're welcome to come to the tables. Just let me remind you where the tables are. If you are in this front section here in the middle of the church, the front section, then these tables are for you. On the sides, there are tables of communion behind the, the, the screens. If you are in the back, there's communion tables around the back of the auditorium. If you are on the top, then you'll see the communion tables on the balcony that are in the, in the passageways also. You're so welcome to share communion with a friend with somebody as a family if you want to. You're so welcome to share communion on your own or with somebody that you don't know. But let's make use of this time and please come and serve yourself. If you're not able to find your way to the tables for for any reason, just raise your hand and then somebody will help you and assist you. And if you can keep an eye open, if you see somebody that's not able to go themselves, then, then please assist them with that. So please, let's use of this time and share communion. For those of you that are online this morning, if you will allow me the opportunity, if you've got your elements ready to just lead you in this communion also. If you don't have elements with you, that's fine. Perhaps you can remember the last time you had communion or think of the next time you're going to have communion and and just remember that, that you are a person that partakes in communion. This is the body of Christ is symbolized by this bread. When we take this body We say, thank you, Jesus, that your body was spent, was given, so that my brokenness can be made whole. Thank you for what you did for me. And and so please partake of this. And then we take up the, the fruit of the vine, the grape, and we say, thank you, Jesus, that your blood was poured out for me, that I was a sinner. And that my blood, that my sin made my heart to be rebellious against you. That I was impure, but that you came, Jesus, 
And that if I put my faith in your blood, then your blood cleanses me, washes me pure. And that your blood speaks of a forgiveness that is complete. And so I receive this forgiveness again today and thank you for the completed work of your forgiveness of my sin. Please partake of the, the juice. Thank you, Jesus. The second sacrament we want to focus on today is baptism. And what we would often refer to as believer's baptism. It's also sometimes called credo baptism. The word credo meaning a declaration, a statement. And for us, baptism is exactly that. It is a statement that is made about faith in that which Jesus had done. And therefore, we believe that baptism has to be an expression of an individual's faith in what Jesus had done for them. It, we do not believe in infant baptism. We don't practice infant baptism. We're not you know, particularly, I don't want to be at war with anybody that believes or does that. But for us, baptism's significance is that a person that is of age that can express that they have placed their personal faith in Jesus goes through the waters of baptism. Which again, the waters of baptism, it's got no power in and of itself. It's not a washing, some spiritual ritual washing that I go through. Again, the water comes from Twane, when the Twane water works. <laughs> so we don't know how clean it might not be or be. We don't have special water flown in from Jerusalem that was picked up out of the Jordan River and you know, it's water. It's normal water. It's the same water you bath in or shower in. It's the same kind of water. It has no special power other than that which it speaks to us about in that occasion of baptism. We declare in baptism that Christ had died for me and that I have died with him. And that when I come out of the waters of baptism... It's a declaration that I now live in Christ. We believe in baptism because Jesus instituted it. Let me just give you a couple of points about baptism. Jesus was baptized. Jesus told us to be baptized. And whenever you read the scripture in the New Testament church, they baptized. Now we know that it had some roots in Jewish and Hebrew life and religion. But when Jesus came and said, you should be baptized, he removed it out of its Jewish context and made it something broader and bigger than that. It's not Jewish or Hebrew. It's Christian. Jesus said, be baptized. We believe baptism is a step of obedience. Again, I don't get saved when I'm baptized. I get baptized because I am saved. What do you need to be saved? What have I been saying? All you need is to put faith in the completed work of Jesus Christ on the cross. So sometimes people are like, oh, if I didn't get baptized, am I gonna, and I, so let's say I give my heart to Jesus and I die before I get baptized, am I going to heaven or to hell? That's a very easy question to answer. The only thing that qualifies us to be part of the kingdom of God is the blood of Christ. It's not the water of baptism. So what is baptism then? If it doesn't save me, why should I do it? Because it's a step of obedience that I take to declare that I have put my faith 
in Christ. I do it, first of all, as a step of obedience. And there's power that comes in that moment because of the obedience that is expressed. Every time I obey God, there's a freedom that is released in my life. And so baptism, doing it, has, has power in its freedom that it brings. Baptism is a public declaration. It's something that is done to express, and it's an external expression of an internal reality. I, I, th I think it simply works like this. You know, to, to give your heart to Jesus, to become a believer, you can do that all on your own. You don't even need anybody else with you. You don't need a witness to have your heart given to Jesus. Are there anybody here in this room that you got saved all on your own? You prayed alone somewhere. Come on, raise your hand. I'm sure there are people like that. Yeah, come on, look around. It happens. God speaks to a person, sometimes through somebody else, but often also on his own. And then you can get saved. But now that I'm saved, not only have I been saved from the kingdom of darkness, more importantly is I have been saved into the kingdom of light, which is the family of God. And I want to now step in and tell people, listen, I have made this decision. And I want to declare that. I want my community to know that. That's my declaration. And that's why we practice baptism. It is a public declaration. Baptism is a powerful symbolic act. Why particularly baptism? The scripture tells us that it's a bit of a burial service. When I go under the water, it's I'm dying. I'm going into the death of Christ. I'm, I'm unifying myself with the fact that Jesus died, was swallowed up in death. I am dying. Now, thankfully, we don't keep you under until that becomes real. Amen? And just, you know, we, some traditions baptize in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. That's great. No problem with that. Fortunately, we just do in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit once. So it, it shouldn't be too scary for anybody. Because I know some of us aren't all that comfortable with water. But we believe it has to be an immersion. The Greek word baptizo means to immerse. It's dunking. It's dipping. It's going under. Like, I know Pastor Sisley, who, who does a lot of our baptisms, your nose cannot stick out. It must go under. Because just now, you, you know, just this bit of you didn't die. You know, I'm, I'm being a bit silly. But it signifies powerfully for us, I have died with Christ. But praise God, it's not I have died, I am alive with Christ. When I come up out of the water... I'm saying I no longer live in my sin and in my brokenness. I now live in the wholeness of the resurrection power of Christ. I have been saved. Amen? Amen. And that is a fact. That is true. That is certain. So I come up out of the waters of baptism. And that's what it powerfully symbolizes for us. Now again, it's just water. But when I put faith into that it becomes a powerful moment. How many of you can testify the day that you were baptized, you experienced something of the power of God? Yeah. 
Something happened in that moment. I, I'm, so, I'm so blessed. I was baptized in 1981, just down here in the tent. And I, I, it's so great this morning to have some of our retired pastors, and Pastor Harry and, and, and Auntie Winnie and uh, Pastor Sherry and Auntie Beryl and Ansa sitting over there and Jack and Pam and people that I remember from those days when I got baptized in, in this community and immersed. Those days, we had the baptism down there in the tent and then you had to run from the tent to the old um, uh, the, the theater, the projection room that was here where, where, where the uh, youth uh, YPF is now. And, and the day I got baptized, it was cold, man. And so we had to run from there to to there to get prayed for and standing there wet you know and they prayed and I knew I was about 1981 so that would have made me nine years old I knew something happened in my life it was a powerful moment it, it that moment I did receive also the gift of speaking in tongues because I believe that when the waters of baptism there's something of that public declaration that you make publicly with your community, which tells the devil he has no more right over you. There's, a, there's something, isn't it? Didn't Jesus say, if you, if you know me publicly, I will know you. There's something powerful about that public declaration. Now, you don't have to do it and not, and to be saved, but it does have power. And so it's, it's our firm belief that baptism is something we all should do. Because not only does it speak into my life, but it also, is, it's, like the, it's like the moment where I declare and accept, and it's marked for me that I've now become part of a, of a family. That I have stepped into the body of Christ. Now we don't baptize in the name of Hatfield Christian Church. Because baptism doesn't make you a member of this church. Amen? You don't have to be a member of this church to be baptized by us. Because baptism has got nothing to do with the specific local church, but it's got to do with being part of the body of Christ. We have it regularly happen on Sundays that other churches in, in our area, and, and as far as I think the last time we had church from Bronco Sprite, if I remember correctly, that didn't have baptism facilities would come and baptize the people here in our baptismal. And sometimes we have people that just, they come here and they say, I, I want to be baptized. We, because it's, it, that is, remember, it's not about what you are now doing. It's about what God has done for you. You declaring your faith in that. And then saying, I'm now going to live as a believer in Christ. But I think it is special when you can be baptized in your own community. Because I don't think it's, it's the greatest thing in the world to just belong to the body of Christ. I think it's great when you belong to a body. A local body that is an expression of imperfect people that are saying, I love Jesus and I'm growing in what it means to be a follower of Christ. And so we do that. We, de we do that publicly. We declare that we have become part and it marks our entrance into the family of believers. The last thing I want to say about baptism is baptism is for everyone. It's for everyone. The scripture says, and, and by the way, I'm, I'm misreading a couple of scriptures. A couple of scriptures that speak about baptism. We want to go look at them. Colossians 2 verse 11 to 12. 
the, the fact that it marks your entrance into the family, Ephesians 4 verse 4, there is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But that scripture and the following scripture, 1 Corinthians 12 verse 13, speaks about the fact also that baptism is for everyone. For 1 Corinthians 12 verse 13 says, For we were all baptized by one spirit as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slaves or free, and we were all given to one spirit to drink. Baptism is for everyone. Like I said earlier, it's not a Jewish ritual. It's a Christian, it's a Christian symbolic, powerful event. I get baptized because I'm a believer in Christ. Whether I come from a Jewish background, a Gentile background, or whatever background, whether I'm male, whether I'm female, doesn't matter. Doesn't matter how old I am, as long as it is of the age where I can proclaim it is my decision to, to follow Christ. It is for everyone. So I want to encourage you today, if you have not yet been baptized, today's a great day to be baptized. Amen. It's a great day to be baptized. Or at least it's a great day to decide to be baptized. We're going to do baptism today. And uh, we, I know we've got a bunch of people that have let us know they want to get baptized today because today is a, a, a normal scheduled time for baptism. But we're also ready to baptize people that didn't even know that you were going to get baptized today. And so what we're going to do as we end the service now is at the end of the service... I'm going to invite you to join us up at the school swimming pool. Thank you to the school for letting us use the swimming pool. It's a heated pool. <laughs> Praise the Lord. And because of solar power and generators and, and a little bit of ESCOM, we're able to heat the pool. And so it's going to be very nice and toasty. So we're going to invite you, if you want to be baptized, come. Come. Ready. We've got some clothing that if you need, if you don't want to get baptized in the clothes you have on, then you can do that or just make use of the opportunity. We're sharing it with our C4G and our Reverb, so some of them are going to join us and get baptized. Obviously, we encourage that they speak to their parents first, but we want to just use this opportunity. So as we close the service, we're going to go up there and then at a point, I'll just pray over everybody, share a few words, and then the pastoral team will be ready and in the water and uh, ready to baptize people. Isn't that fantastic that we can do that? <clears throat> so can I ask you all to stand with me once again for that? Now, oh, I, I just wanted to touch on something. Just give me a moment. Stay standing. Sometimes people ask, can I be baptized again? Sometimes something happens in people's lives. They got baptized perhaps when they were young and now they've journeyed with the Lord or perhaps they got baptized and then they wandered off and now they're coming back to the Lord and they want to mark it with a, a moment of baptism and sometimes people say, can I be baptized again? I don't have personally a huge theological or doctrinal problem with it. If you really want to do it, that's great. But let me just remind you of this. It's not that event that has the power. It's what that event signifies that has the power. So even if I got baptized and I didn't fully understand what it meant, it doesn't change the meaning of it. 
So I sometimes encourage people, if it is okay, remember the day you were baptized and say, thank you, Jesus, for what that meant. I now understand it better. I now can better apply that or live in the reality of that. But I thank you for the obedience I did show for the significance of the crucifixion of Christ. If you still feel, I, I want to get baptized again, go for it. Is that okay? Don't leave the church now because I say you have to get, you don't have to, you only need to get baptized once. Because the meaning is not the baptism, you understand that. It's what it means, what it's attached to. And that doesn't change. But I also allow room for people that can say, look, I did it, but I really didn't have faith. I really didn't understand what it meant. And my life really wasn't, hasn't been living consistent with that. So I, I, need a, I need a moment where I now declare it with faith. Then it's fine. Is that okay? Umadi is a good right. Donkey. Umadi says 100%. So then... Then I'm good. So I would like us to just in this moment, just think of your baptism if you've been baptized. And let's just mark that moment again. And perhaps today, if you haven't been baptized, I'm going to ask you at least make the decision, if it is appropriate for you, to say, I'm going to be baptized. And then if you can, come and be baptized. Is that okay? So let's pray together. Father, we thank you for what you have done for us. Thank you for this amazing faith that is all about grace. It's all about what we have received. We didn't deserve. We didn't earn. But you gave to us freely. You've made available to us. And thank you, Lord, that we can receive and accept what you have made available for us. The forgiveness, the restoration. And thank you that through communion, we remember what you've done. And thank you that through baptism, we declare what you have done. And we declare that to the community, what you have done in my life. And that I want everybody to know that I have put my faith in Jesus Christ. And thank you for the power of that. So I bless every person that has been baptized, Lord. And may even today just be a, a re-encouraging, a strengthening, a reminder of the meaning of that. And then I pray for people that has not been baptized. And I know there are people online that they can't come and be baptized today. But I pray, Lord, that the grace of the truth, not because I say so, not because they feel forced, but because of the truth of your spirit, that today they will make a decision to be baptized. And then I pray, Lord, that it will be possible for some to actually come and do that today. And step into the blessing of that step of obedience. And I thank you for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. And everybody says? Amen. Amen. I do, as I, as I close the service now, I do want to give opportunity. If there's people here today that say, I couldn't take communion and I can't be baptized because I haven't given my life to Jesus. I'm going to ask that some of our ministry team, our shepherds, will be in the front because the pastors are all going to go to the baptism. You guys are welcome to join us just now. But there will be some of them in the front here. And today you may say, I want to give my heart to Jesus. Come and let them pray with you. And you can even join us at baptism after that. And if you need anything else, you need prayer for something else today, please come forward and the team will also pray with you. Remember those that wants to meet with Lena in the foyer hall to just find out more about our church. May the Lord bless you. May he go with you. May you experience the joy of the Lord 
on your front line in this week also. Amen. Amen.